remember being in school in that master's degree. I think I was older than some of the students who were in the program and feeling a little behind, feeling like, well, why don't I have it all figured out yet? You can't always see the career or the, the job or the business you will eventually end up into. But if you just keep following the things that light you up, the things you're interested in, keep exploring, keep learning, even if it's to say, nope, not that, nope, not that, it led me here. Welcome, friends. You're listening to The Hook with Sarah Larson, a podcast that's curious about disruption and how it affects our personal lives, our careers, and the people around us. I'm your host, Sarah Larson, a business coach and serial entrepreneur, but also someone who truly loves deep conversations. I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Jen Boyle for this episode of the podcast. Jen shared her inspiring journey, feeling unsure and a little behind, to becoming a successful entrepreneur and leadership expert. Her story is one of self-discovery, embracing uncertainty, and finding fulfillment in following your passions. Jen emphasized the importance of mindset, self-belief, and staying connected to what you enjoy doing. As she shared her experience of unexpectedly being promoted into a leadership role, Jen stressed the significance of becoming a true leader in your business, embodying your vision, and feeling grounded and confident. While many of us tend to focus solely on technical skills when starting a business, Jen's journey revealed that inner work and self-belief are true keys to success. Instead of constantly comparing ourselves to experts or following prescribed guidelines, we need to cultivate our own unique voice, stay connected to our passions, and be okay with uncertainty. I really loved this insight, and there's plenty more in this episode. Whether you're curious about starting a business, just beginning your journey as a business owner, or are a veteran entrepreneur, this podcast is an opportunity to learn from the experiences of my guests. I hope you'll find as much inspiration from Jen Boyle as I have. Keep listening at the end if you'd like some action steps that you can take to implement the ideas shared in today's episode. Let's begin. Welcome to The Hook with Sarah Larson. I'm your host, Sarah Larson, and I'm really excited to introduce someone that I'm just getting to know, but have enjoyed our conversation so far, Jen Boyle with Lead Quietly. Jen, welcome, and will you please tell us what it is that you do? Yes, thank you so much for this opportunity to be on your podcast. I love being on podcasting. And so Lead Quietly and what I do, it is all about helping introverts, helping introverts and the quieter women. Um, and I'm helping them with their businesses. I'm helping them in their careers and I'm helping them show up and go after the big goals that they have. So specifically, I'm a leadership and communications expert. I've worked in the communications industry for over 20 years and I've been in leadership for over a decade. So I, and also an entrepreneur. So doing all of the different things and what I help them with if you take business, for example, is being behind the scenes, knowing you need to put yourself out there and market your business, but you just don't have the energy or the confidence or the whatever it is that's holding you back. And I help you figure out how you can do it and get out there so you can actually have a successful business, sign clients, make revenue, all of that. So I'm passionate about helping introverts go after their big goals. Congratulations on doing that, because I think that it's something that, as you know, from your own experience is important. 
And I saw also that you just launched your podcast a couple of months ago. Yes. What, is, what are you doing? Are you interviewing others? Are you, are you just talking? How's your podcast platform set up? Yes. Oh, thank you for asking about it. So it's called the Lead Quietly podcast. And right now I'm just doing solo episodes, one a week. And it was an intentional choice. I know uh, interviews are also a great way to do podcasting, but I knew for my own time and my own energy, honestly, I didn't have the bandwidth to schedule interviews, to help promote people's episodes, and all the work that goes into interviewing, like preparing and being a bit of a perfectionist, wanting to prepare really well and do a really good job for everything. So it was a deliberate choice to just do solo episodes, and I record one a week. And my goal with the podcast is to reach this audience, the quieter entrepreneur, the quieter woman in her career, someone who has really big professional goals. It's I, it's personal too, but I focus really on the professional life and help you like take some steps, give you a nudge, but not in a pushy way, in a way, because I understand you. I understand you spend a lot of time in your head and sometimes you just need a little perspective to, to keep you moving. Yeah. Well, I saw the post about the, uh, the podcast that you're using your actual voice. Cause I know this kind of introvert comes from a place that, you know, well, yes, definitely. And that's really cool. Yeah. Thank you. And you know, it's so funny. I thought about doing a podcast for a long time, just like almost as long as I thought about doing, having a business. And I know there's probably a lot of your listeners out there in the same boat thinking about doing it, but thinking, oh, it's probably too hard or there's too much to learn or I can't do it. And so launching that podcast was surprising in that I actually realized how much I like talking, <laughs> you know, it's a great discovery. Yeah. And it's a great way to communicate for me because I tend to form sentences and big ideas and I want to like explain things. And so sometimes it's hard to do that in one post on Instagram. So it's a really good format for people who can process this way and who like to communicate this way. Fantastic. Oh, I can't, well, we'll we'll dig more into what you're doing now when we get to that part, but I want to start with, um, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what, what that was like. Mm -hmm. Well, so I'm based in Canada in the middle of the country. It's a prairie Um, kind of environment, farming, small towns, rural, those things. And I grew up on a farm in, um, you know, a small town. And I, I never would have thought, oh, someday I'm going to have a podcast or I'm going to be online. You know, I was just pretty down to earth kind of girl growing up, had a a really good experience as a child. And um, it led to still enjoying nature. I still like going camping. I like being outside and just really grounded and down to earth because of where I grew up. That's awesome. Now, did you have siblings? I have one brother. Okay. Yep. One brother. And he lives near me now. So we can still see each other, which is, which is great. Oh, that's good. Are your parents in the picture? Are they near you as well? Everybody? Yes. I would say we, we live in the same general area, but they're a few hours away. Um, but I get to see them as often as I can. And, um, yeah, it's it's funny. One thing that's unique about our childhood is from the farm where we grew up, we actually moved our house to a different location. Oh, cool. Yeah. So at, when that happened, and this happened when I was a teenager, 
I had my same room, but a new backyard outside. It was the weirdest thing, right? Yeah. Having an entirely different view. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I've, I've been um, actually following a YouTube channel that has been going through um, purchasing properties that, and, but the building and then moving it and all of what has to be done in order to get it ready to live in again. So that's a really interesting, I was very fascinated by it. Yeah. If I think of it now, like, how do you move a whole house? That's not easy to lift it up and drive it down the road and put it down somewhere else. Right. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into that, that we really, uh, I have never thought about. No. That's one of the things I love about talking to people though, is I get to hear about things that I would never have given much thought to, um, and careers and, and, um, just processes that never thought about. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what did you do, um, after high school? Did you launch into a a college career? Mm -hmm. Um, after high school, I moved to a bigger city and, went to university there and I studied psychology in my undergrad degree. And it was one of those things where I started, you know, in a general arts and science kind of year, had no idea what I wanted to do, but was always drawn to the social sciences, to people stuff, to writing versus like labs and engineering and hard science. Like I was always, I like books. I like writing. I like social sciences and like how people relate to each other. So I went into psychology and I did that. And then I worked for a little while and few years, it was about five years. And then five years in, I, I wasn't dissatisfied with the job, but it was like, okay, what's next for me? What is it that I really want to do? And I ended up going back to school and taking a master's degree in communications because from the job that I had, that was my favorite part. My favorite part was seeing how people related to each other, how they were communicating and also helping with the communication aspects of projects, like writing things, summarizing things, making sure people were informed about things. And that led to a career in communications. So right now I'm the director of communications at a large organization and I manage a team. We do social media, we do advertising, marketing, internal communications, news, media, all all those things, graphic design. And I oversee the team so that we make sure we're communicating appropriately to our audiences. Oh, cool. That's really fascinating. And especially to have that um, psychology background, I'm sure was really helpful. Yes. And you know, yes. And you know, what's so interesting is in my line of work and I've hired a lot of people over the years being in leadership and built teams, many of the communications people come from a marketing background or a business background. So they would come from, it's about like marketing plans and advertising and design and all of that stuff. And I'm kind of unique in the within the comms teams that I've been a part of in that my background is psychology. So I'm really coming at it from, well, how is that making someone feel when you say that? Not, well, what color should we use on this ad? You know, it's like a different, a different, right? And, and I'm sure color comes into that. Well, how does this color make somebody feel? I think that's more common in marketing these days, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But certainly not necessarily where it came from. <laughs> no, it's it's evolved over over the years. And I'm 
not a marketing expert by any means. What's really interesting about that is it's almost like the, the feeling stuff is the touchy feely part of communications. And that's what I've always been drawn to. And it's a little bit about what my whole brand lead quietly is all about that. I used to think of those touchy feely things as weaker or not as good, or it was like soft versus the more hard evidence-based or uh, get out there and just be direct kind of way of doing things. And the epiphany or the, you know, journey I've been on of learning to see the touchy feely stuff as strong, as effective, as useful, and just learning how to use it more effectively. Yeah. That's really neat. So the thing I really enjoy talking about is disruptions. And sometimes we create those for ourselves. Sometimes we create them for other people. Sometimes they happen <laughs> to us. Yes. But did you feel any sort of disruption in terms of changing your trajectory from your original degree and work to going into communications? What was that like? Yes. Oh, this is good. And there's a couple of things. So in going from like psychology as the first degree, my first job into communications, I remember being in school in that master's degree. <clears throat> and I would have gone back as I think I was probably 26, 27. So older than maybe some of the students who were in the program and feeling a little behind feeling like, well, why don't I have it all figured out yet? Why am I going back to school as an adult? And it was like adult learning almost, even though now I'm 44 and I look back and I think I was just a kid and I had no idea. But um, I remember trying to figure out my place, even in that degree, there were journalists in there and who had careers in news media or television. And I was like, well, is that what I want to do? Is that what I want this degree to do? And then there were people who were more marketing and business and they wanted to do that. And I thought, I don't really fit in either of those things. And it is a little bit like you can't always see the career or the, the job or the business you will eventually end up into. But if you just keep following the things that light you up, the things you're interested in, keep exploring, keep learning, even if it's to say, nope, not that, nope, not that, it led me here. So yeah, I would say it was just a little bit of not really knowing and then finding my place. And then one of the disruptions that happened to me <laughs> was after working in communications for a number of years in this large organization, I was promoted into leadership overnight. Like didn't apply for the job, didn't want the job, didn't ever see myself as a leader of others. And it happened because of budgets and restructuring and without any warning, it was just like one day I got called into the boss's office and they said, tomorrow you have to take over the team. And I thought, like, are you kidding Surprise. me? <laughs> Surprise. And what made that really hard, it wasn't just taking over any team, it was taking over the team I was on. So I was everyone's peer and then tomorrow I'm their boss. And so hard and such a disruption. Yes, for sure. It's, that is really a challenge to go from being on the same level as your coworkers to suddenly being their leader. And boy, that's a disruption for you, obviously a change in your identity and, and what happens there, but also a huge disruption for them because they're also trying to adjust to this 
person who was our coworker is now mm-hmm. over us, you know, yes. it's the organizational chart. So how did you, how did you manage that? <laughs> well, <laughs> someday I'm going to write a book about what not to do because I did that. <laughs> That's how I started. Well, well, everybody starts that way, Jen. It's okay. I know, right? I would say in the first the first few months, I just felt sick to my stomach going to work. And I felt like I wanted to hide in the office. And I got an office now. So that was kind of cool. You know, you get promoted and you get your own office. And I just wanted to hide in there with the door closed until I could figure it out. It's It was like, I just need some time to figure this out. Not... But knowing but not wanting to actually do it, that the thing you really need to do is talk to people. You really need to get to know your staff. You have to like put yourself out there and be willing to make mistakes in front of people and learn and be humble and not know everything and all of that. So I I hid from that for a long time in the beginning. And the other part was previous leadership that we had in this team had the opposite personality that I did. They were direct and they were women too. They were direct. They were outgoing. They were assertive and very bold and confident. And I thought that is what leadership looked like. The other mistake I made was trying to be like them or try to think I had to be like them when really my style is calm, soothing, quiet, soft, you know, like listening. I don't really want to stand in front of everyone and, and talk and talk and talk and talk. You know, it's like, I'm more comfortable sort of behind the scenes and listening. So it was a comparison mindset thing that was happening. And then when I was trying to show up, like run a meeting, I felt like I had to like psych myself up and be like, okay, guys. Okay. Okay. We're having a meeting now. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'm like, I'm sure it looked phony and ridiculous and I didn't feel good. I didn't feel authentic. So that writing and all the things. And then what happened was one day I remember sitting with some people and just realizing that the people I was trying to emulate weren't there anymore. Like those previous leaders and that I was trying to still get their approval, even though they weren't there. Like I was trying to make them proud because I was doing what they did. And then epiphany, right. And it, I, I remember it so vividly and I was just sitting there like, wait a second, I don't have to that. It was like, it seems so silly now, but I, I didn't ever see that. I thought there was only one way to lead. And I realized, oh, I can actually do this job. However is best for me. And then once I made that epiphany, it's still hard and I still have lots to learn, but I relaxed into who I was. I figured out my strengths. I became a leader. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's incredible, Jen. Yeah. So I recall now, granted, I became a leader very young and without any guidance. Um, and I recall being in a similar situation where I was working with people and then suddenly became supervisor. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember the thing that hurt me the most Mm -hmm. was then discovering that people were complaining about me behind my back. Yes. And kind of Mm -hmm. finding that out was Mm -hmm. hard, hard. Oh, Um, it's, it's awful. Did you go through that yourself? Yes. Yes. And the, 
the only, like, it's a harsh thing to have to realize that people are annoyed at you. They're complaining about you. They're bad mouthing mm-hmm. you behind your back. Even if you have a good team, it's, yeah. it's natural. And it's natural. I, it is part of having a boss, right. Is to complain about that boss. Even if they've, exactly. even if they're perfectly fair. <laughs> yes. Even if you <laughs> love them. You. Exactly. And it, that's the the way that I could make myself feel better about that was to remember, have I complained about every boss I've ever had? Yeah. Ooh, you know, I was like, yes. And it doesn't mean I don't like them. It just right. means that some days you're frustrated. Some days work drives you crazy and it's easy to blame the boss or really the boss, the boss is annoying you. So it is. And this was actually, I did a whole podcast episode on this topic because, um, in the beginning from in my situation when I was peers with everyone and then promoted, I used to hang out with those people outside of work yeah. and we used to complain about the boss or, you know, you kind of like gripe about work or those things. And it was like, I realized, oh, I can't do that anymore. It's not appropriate for me to do that. It doesn't mean I'm better than them or I can't hang out with them or be friendly, but I couldn't do that and have integrity in the job anymore. And so I, it was realizing how lonely it is. And that was a transition. Leadership can be lonely, especially at first until you figure out your new circle, your new peers. And that's when, um, even I reached out for mentorship. I hired an executive coach and I had informal mentors and that helps so much because you have someone that you can talk to openly about the things because it's not your coworkers anymore. Right. Yes, because as the boss, you complain about your employees, right? <laughs> you complain <laughs> about your employees to your employees. I mean, this is the reality of, of life, right? It's normal, like you said, that we are we are complaining about the boss or we're complaining about the client or we're complaining about you, you have to get those frustrations out. Yep. And it helps often to talk to other people about that. So it's just natural. And like you said, it doesn't mean that you don't like that person. Um, yeah. or appreciate your clients or, you know, things like that. But you do have those moments where you just need to get it out. And so finding the right people is, yeah. is really smart. Yeah, that is, it is. That's, that's actually something that I really, um, is hard to instill in leaders that are just coming up as well. They're still, they're trying to get their traction, um, I recall a situation from a business that my husband and I had where we had someone who kept complaining about his boss to his coworkers, but he was also kind of a mid-level supervisor. And we kept saying, you can't do that. If you have an issue with your boss, you need to talk with him. And if that's not working, you can come to us as the owners of the company, but you you really cannot complain to your coworkers or the people who report to you, you don't complain down. (laughs) Agreed. You don't complain down. It's not, it, it, um, chips away at your credibility because why would they trust you? If you're complaining openly down, then, then they will think, well, what are you saying up? You know? So agreed. Actually, I found once I made a separation between myself and the staff, in a, like, of course, I'm still friendly. I still kind of know their personal lives and those things to the degree that they feel comfortable, but I have a clear boundary and a clear separation. Being a leader got a lot easier. 
yes. because I could remove myself from those situations. It was so much easier. How do you go about deciding what that boundary is or setting or setting it with someone, particularly if you already knew them prior to mm-hmm. being their leader? Yeah. And that could be, it doesn't mean it's easy. And there could be some like hurt feelings and some awkwardness. And I, there definitely was people who I would have considered my friends yeah. who are like today, all these years later, we don't hang out anymore because right. of, you know, the leadership path and we went different ways and all of those things. So how to go about doing that? You know, it. I think it starts with figuring out your core values for the job that you're in, in terms of how do I want to behave in this job? What's, what is like a non-negotiable for me? If that's things like being honest, having integrity, you know, doing the right thing. And those were definitely mine. And if I like objectively thought, what's the right thing here, it would be not to gossip after hours with my staff. That would be out of alignment with what how I want to do this job and how I want to behave. And so you can do that for yourself. And then the second way is if you imagine what other people would say about you, if you said, how do I want to be remembered as a boss? How do I want other people to see me as a boss? Do I want them to see me as someone who gossips? No. So then it, it helps like solidify. This is the right thing to do. Even if it's hard. Yeah. And it does help to your relationship if they know that they can trust you to share information and not gossip about them to someone else, because inevitably they're going to hear back Always. <laughs> from whoever Always. you talk yes. to. So, yeah. yeah. And the, the thing about sharing information is that is hard. It's still hard even now, but there is something about being in a leadership role. You are then trusted with a different level of information, some of which you can tell your staff and some that you can't. And you wouldn't be doing your job if you just said everything, you know, if you just said, well, there's budget cuts coming next week, but don't tell anyone that I told you. Like, like You can't do that because it will end badly for you. And then from your superiors looking at you, then you can't be trusted with information. And so it is a balance. Being a middle manager is very hard. It's a constant balance of up and down and managing up and managing down, I've found in my career. Being a business owner is lonely. This is a subject that comes up a lot in these conversations. Unless you have a family of entrepreneurs or you already had friends who are business owners, you may not realize that we all experience moments of self-doubt and are terrified of decisions that must be made. Is this expense worth it? Do I have the right tools? I was told I have to do X, Y, Z, but I don't have the bandwidth. You can either go it alone and hope you make the right decisions, or you can find a coach to connect with who has the experience to help you make informed decisions and feel less alone in your business. I have owned and run multiple businesses over the past 25 years, and I'm also in the trenches now as a business coach, making my way in a world full of business coaches. If you'd like me to be there for you, there are three ways you can work with me right now. 
With the audit, I lift the hood on your business and determine the most time and cost efficient systems for your specific offers and budget. If you want help implementing my recommendations, I offer a 12-session coaching package that provides you with the one-on-one support you need. Or simply book a 60-minute session to set your priorities for the next quarter. There's no need for you to feel alone any longer. Click the link in the show notes to get started today. It sounds like you eventually evolved into this role and had the comfort in your leadership. So what caused you to decide to become an entrepreneur? Because that's a disruption right there. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Oh, I love this question. Okay. (laughs) I, you know, it came from wanting more fulfillment and wanting more meaning, which is something I hear a lot in the entrepreneur space of why people start businesses. And I was not an entrepreneur as a kid. Like it, I wasn't the lemonade stand kid. I didn't think, oh, I'm always going to start my own thing. In fact, I thought the opposite. I thought I'm too practical. I'm too um, organized and such a planner that, and I had this view of entrepreneurship that it was all uh, spontaneous and willy nilly and free spirited. And was like, oh, that's what they do, you know, and they're just out promoting their business and marketing themselves. And I thought, well, I can't do that. Clearly that is not who I am. I don't, I don't have that free kind of spirit. And so it kind of blocked me for a long time, even though at the same time I was craving this fulfillment, this feeling of like, my career is fine, but is this all I'm going to do professionally? And I think that's where the question came from. And I felt it in my thirties. I took mentorship programs, you know, where I was matched with a a senior mentor, like someone who was farther ahead in their career. And she was an entrepreneur and she taught me a lot and she helped me grow in those things. So maybe she was an inspiration. And when I turned 40, I said, that was a real kick in the butt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know other it listeners seems who are... to be a real turning point for people. I think <laughs> it is, especially in your career, because I thought, okay, how many good working years do I have left? Which I don't mean to sound morbid, but it starts to creep up when you hit 40 and you're mid career. And you think when I retire, and this is what I thought when I retire and I'm standing there saying, okay, I'm done this career. Is this it? what I'm doing right now, is this what I want to have accomplished? And the answer was like a screaming no. It was like, there's got to be more for me, even though my career is just fine. I have accomplished a lot and I'm really proud of everything I've done and I have a good workplace, but I knew I wanted more. So that led me to start my business, which really was an idea in my head for five years longer. It was a dream that I thought was impossible It was a vague, fuzzy idea of wanting to do something, but never knowing what that was. And then it, it took a lot of action to actually turn it into a business. Wow. I love that. I do think that there is, like you said, there's that turning point at 40 that makes you sort of assess where you are in life Mm -hmm. and start thinking in terms of where am I going with my legacy or <laughs> what am yes. I, do I want to be doing after retirement? I mean, that's, that's the thing that we start thinking about. And I really enjoy this concept of 
this um, finding, uh, what I really love is just this idea of finding the thing that is fulfilling. Mm-hmm. I do think it's it's true. And so when you started your business, what was that transition like for you? Here's another identity shift, right? You go from, yes. you, you've settled into this identity as a, a quiet leader and enjoying your career. But when you start a business, that's a, that's a disruption that you've created. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, now what is, who am I and what am I doing here? Yes. How did it go? Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> and this to speak to, to the, the quiet ones in your audience and the introverts of in the beginning, it was what might look like a tiny little baby step to, to the average person was a huge thing for me. The idea of investing in a business program was, which I did, I signed up for like an online 12 week, how do you start your business program? Because I knew, okay, I like to learn. I need to learn how to start a business. So I need some coaching and I need a program. And that first round, I like, I read all the materials, you know, I'm a good student and tried to do things. And then we had these calls on zoom and I would just like hide in the background, didn't want to turn my camera on, never talked, you know, watched everyone else and thought, Oh my God, what am I doing here? You know, I'm not cut out for this. Look at them. They're all so far ahead. You know, all of those things. Yeah. So it was a, the transition was very uh, self-doubt in the beginning, very uncomfortable at the same time, exciting and happy that I was doing something to get me closer to this dream I always had. So that was sort of the beginning. So I've been an entrepreneur entrepreneur for almost two years. So I'm still pretty early in my journey though. um, Prior to the two years of actually having a registered business, I've been flirting with it for a long time, you know? So it was like, I had this big uh, flirting period of like, you know, listening to podcasts and reading books and writing in my journal and imagining what it would be like to have a business, you know? And then, then I've had like almost two years of actually doing it. And what I have learned and it's if I could go back and tell my younger self you don't have to be spontaneous actually being a planner is a great thing (laughs) a business is no different than a career in terms of yeah you might it might look different you have different hours or freedoms you still have work to do and there's still foundations and elements and things that you need to learn and put in place and and it's amazing because I'm choosing it and that's what feels so fulfilling from it. Even on the days when I think, oh, I don't know what to do today, or this feels really hard, or why why can't I make any money? Or, you know, like all the, the ups and downs that entrepreneurs go through, it's still my own choosing. And that's what keeps me going, right? Yeah, which is such a great point because, you know, we talked about being a leader when you first become a leader, and especially given the situation that you were in, that can be really lonely. So is being an entrepreneur. If you are not engaging with others, um, I pictured you in that program. You know, I know, I know that feeling in the stories that we tell ourselves of like, oh, they're, they know what they're doing. They're so much further ahead than me. I'm just, I don't want to say anything because I'm going to sound stupid. Um, so yes, I understand all of that. And it's great that you moved forward anyway and took the steps to start your business. Um, 
I think it's just, what advice would you have? <laughs> what advice do you give, I should say? Because um, yep. I know you you work with entrepreneurs as well as leaders. And what advice would you give to them for uh, getting started? Mm -hmm. In business? Mm -hmm. I think, oh, this is so good. There's so many things that you think you need to start with that you need to learn that are very tactical and strategy like I need to learn tech, I need to learn how to use social media, I need to learn, you know, advertising or whatever, like how to sell things and business type things that you you tend to start with. Everyone does, right? They think, okay, I just got to learn how to do it just like I would in a job. Like they think it's the sort of practical side of things. That's where we all start. And then the thing and the shifts that I've experienced in my second year compared to my first year is when I realize, oh, these are the real things that I wish I would have started earlier. And those things are your mindset, belief in yourself, and like staying connected to what you enjoy doing, you know, being able to like understand that not every day is going to be a picnic, you know, like those kinds of things, like that's the tougher part of entrepreneurship and being okay with uh, vagueness, not really knowing, not having evidence and proof for every little step. It's different than say you're in your job, you can just go check something with your boss or yeah. check against the company's manual or what did we do last year in entrepreneurship? It's like, there's no manual. You're just making it up each day and you're moving forward. And where leadership in, in sort of like what I do with Lead Quietly fits in with entrepreneurship is for the first few years or the first year and a bit, I wasn't the leader of my business. I was almost like a follower in my business. I was comparing to other people. I was comparing to like the expert advice that was out there and, and feeling like I was just reacting to, to the business world and the shift. And this is what I can help people with too, is to help you really become the leader of your business. And that doesn't mean being the boss, you know, it just means like fully embodying it, believing in yourself, knowing what you're doing, getting a vision, being clear, how are you going to approach things? What's your voice? What's your message? And when you have those things really locked down, then you show up confidently because you feel this is true for me. This is honest. I have all the things that I feel really grounded in. And then that's what makes you be able to show up online and, and do a video or something like that. It's not how to do a video lessons. That's not going to make you show up, right? It's all this inner work. Yeah, and I love this explanation. I don't think I could have ever verbalized it in the way that you just did. And I feel like that is the perfect actual first business program that you should, oh. like you said, these are the things that are truly important because otherwise you spend all this time comparing yourself to everyone else and doing what they're doing or or trying to do what they're doing and thinking that that's what's going to make you successful when yes. it, but in the background, you're questioning everything you're doing. You don't feel confident in it, which is a hindrance in growing your business. If you aren't confident in it, how are you going to grow? Exactly. Oh, I love that. It's brilliant. Oh, 
I'm so glad. It was like, maybe we just birthed the business idea right here. Right, <laughs> right. I feel program. like this is the, this is the program that needs to be, uh, you know, out there is not the strategy side, but the getting that mindset mindset is such a huge part of everything that we do. Yeah. And in business, it's just as important. It is. And people, I would hear that, you know, that phrase of business is 10% strategy, 90% mindset. And you think, yeah, yeah, okay. It's just one of those things that you hear people say, and then you get in it and you're like, oh, that was really true. It was really true. Especially if you are trying to grow a business, you're trying to build a business and I'm online. So I, I only really know that sphere, not like brick and mortar products and whatnot. You need to be there for the long term. This is not a short-term overnight results thing to be in. And we tend to think that it is, you know, social media can make it look so glamorous and, and in order to build a reputation, build brand loyalty, build all those things, it's going to take time and it, and it doesn't happen overnight. That, that is so true. And I think that a lot of people get into it with the expectation that it is going to happen overnight, or maybe they feel like they saw somebody who did it overnight. Um, but, but there's probably more to it <laughs> than what you're seeing. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. I heard someone say this the other day that they can tell who's going to make it and who's not in entrepreneurship, not based on how smart they are, how flashy their brand looks or any of those things, but on their grit and their willingness to keep going. That is truly like the thing that will build a business to be able to push through failure, to push through the flops. I've had them. (laughs) I'm still going. doesn't mean you don't have, you know, moments of like, what am I doing? Should I even bother? I should quit. Like we all go through those things, but can you pick yourself up again and keep going? And do you have whatever inside is driving you to want it? Are you like, do you, are you reminding yourself? And for me, it's like, I wanted more fulfillment. So when I retire, I'm not saying this is it. And so I come back to that feeling and think, okay, this is hard, but I will show up again today and keep going. Yeah, that is so, so, so important. Love that. Well, where can people find you on the internet? Like, what do you um, want to impart to our listeners if they are interested in finding out more of your wisdom and learning from you about how they can um, do this, even if they don't want to be the flashy front of their business? Excellent. And especially if you don't want to be the flashy, you're my person. So (laughs) you're my person. If you're like, I want it, but I don't really want to be like dancing on reels and pointing and lip syncing to music. Great. Perfect. You're my person. Um, So you can find me on Instagram at lead quietly. I do hang out there most of the time. Like that's one of my main places. And I also have a private Facebook group, which is called the quiet leader community. And it is uh, an amazing group. It is for women who have big professional goals and who are quiet and more introverted. So we talk about career stuff. We talk about business stuff. We talk about like the experience of being an introvert and overcoming some of those overthinking thoughts and draining your energy, those types of things. And I also have my podcast, the lead quietly podcast, which only started a few months ago. I'm really enjoying sharing on there. 
And right now, um, if you're interacting with my content, I am really focused on entrepreneurs, but I do want for those who have careers to know that I'm so interested in that area too, and eventually hope to get more into executive coaching for, for women in leadership, but not right now. I just have too many things on the go. And so don't be turned off if you think you're not an entrepreneur. There's still something for you there. There's still lessons to be learned and engaging with other people who are similar to you um, is a great way to do that. So it sounds like your community is really um, incredible as yes. far as offering that space. Yes. And I have women tell me, I've never found anything like this in the entrepreneur space because there tends to be a lot of groups and they're not bad, but they're full of really big personalities. Right. People who, who take up a lot of the airtime and then you think, oh, I should be posting or I should be engaging, but I don't want to. I just kind of want to sit back and listen in my, that's totally fine. There's no guilt. I want it to be inclusive and welcoming. And if it's really quiet, fantastic. That's great. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Well, I will be sure to share your links for Instagram and your podcast. Yeah. People can always DM me if they want to reach out. That's okay. no problem. All right, great. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed our conversation. I loved, um, like you said, we kind of birthed an idea maybe, but really you just verbalized something that um, I really maybe have known kind of in the back of my head, but wasn't concrete. So mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that. And it's been a pleasure. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this conversation. It was so fun to talk about these deeper things. I yes. think that's, that's missing a lot in, in some of our day-to-day -day life. And so lo I love conversations like this. Thank you. If you'd like to hear more of Jen's story, gain insights into leadership, or if you're an introvert looking to overcome obstacles and achieve your big goals, be sure to follow her podcast, Lead Quietly. If you were inspired by this conversation and feel called to take action, here are a couple of ideas to try. First, follow your interests and explore different career paths. It's okay to be unsure and take time to find your place. Think about your passions and values. Are you in a career that aligns with them? Try brainstorming ideas for other options you might enjoy more and consider what it would take to make a shift. Instead of thinking, I don't have the experience or knowledge to do that, Think about what resources you already have that could help you. Just making time for these thoughts may allow you to realize you aren't as far from the possibility as you might have thought. Inner work and self-belief are crucial for success, and as an entrepreneur, there is no manual to follow. It's about embracing uncertainty and having the confidence to show up authentically. So investing in personal growth, mindset development, and building self-belief are key ingredients to navigating the entrepreneurial journey with confidence. If you're interested in learning more about how you might work with me, I offer several opportunities for this type of growth. And if you're just looking for other entrepreneurs to connect with, then joining my Sunday morning plan with me sessions might be a perfect opportunity for some casual connection and networking while also planning out your week, and setting some priorities. Thank you for listening. I know your time is precious, and I'm grateful you came here today. You can connect with Jen on Instagram at leadquietly. 
You can find me on social media at I am Sarah Larson or at my website, sarah-larson.com. That's Sarah with an H and Larson with an E. Links for both of us can be found in the show notes. The number one way that people find podcasts is through the recommendation of a friend. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot and send it to someone you think will enjoy it or share it on social media. Be sure to tag me so I can give you a shout out. A great way to say thank you is to leave a five-star rating and even better, leave a review with your impressions of the podcast. My desire is that as many people as possible will be inspired by the stories shared here and your support helps spread the word. Thank you, friends. See you next time.